Promised, a podcast about the hope and good news of Jesus, always including God's promises to encourage you along the way and show you how much God really loves you. Welcome to Promised with Zach Cole. We're glad you're here. Without recognizing and observing the teaching that we are at the same time a sinner and a saint, at the same time still sinful, yet declared righteous. Without recognizing this distinction, it is a breeding ground for a lapse into moralism, a lapse into believing that you might not be saved. It can lead the uh, the weak in spirit to becoming a bruised reed or a smoldering wick to experiencing a shipwreck of faith or just burnout. And that might, I realize that might be a lot of uh, Christianese uh, words or phrases in trying to explain this, so I'll do my best to do a better job. This concept of, as a Christian, having faith in Christ, being a baptized child of God, this distinction that we are now declared righteous, as we've talked about in previous episodes, but at the same time sinner, is it is a teaching that came about very, well, it's a teaching in Scripture, but it became very prevalent after the Protestant Reformation. This teaching that we are at the same time just and sinner. Uh, the If you were to search this term on the internet or at a Christian website or ministry looking for articles or readings or teachings on this concept, you're going to look for, more than likely you're going to look for the Latin phrase of it, just because it's very popularly known as the simile or a phrase that just says the simile. And it's for this Latin phrase, I'm probably going to butcher it, but it's simul justus et peccator. And that means simultaneously sinful and righteous or and just. You might be asking yourself or thinking to yourself there, okay, explain this a little bit further. I thought we were a new creation. How can we be sinful, but yet a saint at the same time? How does that even make sense? Well, one, it makes sense because if you're a Christian, um, you've probably experienced this before. You go through life wanting to do the right thing, wanting to do what is right according to how a Christian should behave, how the Bible says a, a, uh, a godly person should live their life. I mean, that's what the law tells us to do, right? The law tells us this is what it means to be holy. This is what it means to live a life according to God's will. Yet we look at our life, and we look through experiences that we have with sin, and it's not long until we're honest with ourselves and admit the fact that we're not meeting the mark. We we might see progress here and there, but we're just not at that level that we want to be. Or maybe the longer you are a Christian, the more uh, in touch and in, the more you're able to realize just how sinful you are. Now, I'm here to say that this teaching of being simultaneously a sinner and a saint will help reconcile 
for those of you who might struggle with this, you know, how can, why am I still sinning, right? How can I cause myself a Christian if I'm not living like I think a Christian should? What am I, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, without this understanding that you are both a sinner and a saint at the same time, you could easily look at yourself and see your lack of progress or see your sin and question whether the fact that you're actually saved. And that's not good news at all. That's not assurance. That's not, no one wants to be in that position of constantly uh, dealing with guilt for not being who you think you should be. One of the, or excuse me, two of the main passages in scripture where you're going to see this description of being a sinner and a saint at the same time, it will come from Paul, the apostle Paul, who was Saul. <laughs> in, a, in a weird ways, he might, and I just thought about this just now, he might say he is simultaneously Saul and Paul. <laughs> For what we remember, Saul, uh, the uh, who Paul was before he came to faith in Christ, before the, his experience on the Damascus Road, uh, he was known as Saul. He was Saul the Pharisee, Saul the very good Pharisee, very righteous Pharisee. He, he even tells us in Scripture that he did, you know, he was the Pharisee of Pharisees, right? But yet he still did not meet the mark. And it wasn't until he came to uh, faith in Christ and faith in his in Christ and what he did in the gospel for Paul, that's dying on the cross for the forgiveness of his sins, he then, his name changed to Paul, right? So in a lot of ways, that's a very good way to understand how this uh, Saul-Paul kind of uh, illustration for what a sinner and a saint might look like. He tells us, if you read uh, Galatians 5, you'll see a very, and really all of Galatians, you'll see all the chapters of Galatians 1 through 4 leading up to Galatians 5. And it's make, Paul makes no mistake about it in his letter to the church in Galatia. He makes it clear that the gospel is all Christ doing something for you, for the sinner, all gift, all the action of Christ for you, and without any need of action on your part. Meaning this, remember, there were false teachers who came into the church in Galatia, and they were telling the early Christians that in order to be saved, they actually needed to observe the law of Moses. They actually needed to observe the uh, rules and regulations that their forefathers brought them up with to believe, specifically circumcision. They were saying, hey, unless you're circumcised, unless you become circumcised, you can't consider yourself saved. And so that was very confusing for the early Christians. And Paul came in and was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, that is not the gospel that I delivered to you. That is not Christ crucified for the forgiveness of your sins, full stop. You know, and so that's, Paul didn't write all of those passages in Galatians 1 through 4 to get to Galatians 5. When he starts to explain the Christian life, he didn't just write all of that to then throw out the good news of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins. Romans 7 provides a very, very good description of Paul describing what his life is like. And maybe this sounds like you, because I know it definitely has described me and my Christian life. 
And Paul gives a very good description of this in Romans chapter 7, starting at verse 15 through verse 20. We might read even a little bit more than that, but I'll start. For I do not, this is Paul writing, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And this is present tense Apostle Paul writing here. He's describing his Christian life. He's not describing who he was before he became a Christian. He's describing this inner war, this inner war between his sinful flesh and the new creation that is him. And he sees no, he doesn't see a way that he can win this war, right? He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He is admitting that he is not strong enough to fight and win this war. But this war is there. And let's make something very clear here. If the Apostle Paul is not, quote-unquote, saved, if he's not this new creation, if he doesn't have this new identity in Christ, if he doesn't have this new path that he's on of being in Christ, then there is no war, right? There's no conflict because a sinner is not going to be waging war against himself for the things that are right and good, specifically through what is right and good according to what it means to be a Christian. So he's describing this war that he has that, hey, I don't do the things I want to do, and I do the things I don't want to do. Wretched man who, the, who wretched man that I am, who would deliver me from this body of death? And what does the Apostle Paul then say? In verse 25, check this out. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He then says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the answer. Who will deliver you from this body of death? Thanks be to God, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who will deliver me from this body of death in this war that I'm having with the old Adam? That's another phrase. Old Adam in me. Old Adam represents the the flesh part of me that wants to sin. That's old Adam. It's very simple in describing it this way. Old Adam is always going to see the emphasis of him trying to be righteous and holy or for him to be approved by God or his desire. Old Adam is going to see things through the emphasis of his action, him being God, his desire to be God. When that serpent lied and 
said, oh no, you know, God doesn't want you to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if you do, you will know good and evil and you will be like God. See, that was the temptation for Adam and Eve. Not because the fruit looked good, which I'm sure it did, but this temptation to know what God knows. And therefore, Adam thinks he can be God. That's the sin. That is the root of all sin. Rejecting what God says and the desire to be God. I mean, that's what kicked, that's what got Lucifer thrown out of heaven, right? He wanted to rule. He wanted to be on the throne. This desire that me, 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 this, this belief that I'm going to save myself. That's why the gospel is offensive to old Adam. Because it tells old Adam in us that he can't save himself. He's going to need a savior. He can't pull himself up by his own bootstraps. He can't conquer this Christian life through his actions, through his best effort, through his progress. He can't stand approved before God in accordance to the law. And that's why it's hateful to him. But that's why he continues to do it. He wants to be approved by God according to his works. He wants to be counted as righteous because of his progress he's made in this Christian life. I mean, look at that verse in Matthew. Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these wonderful things? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do all these great works? And what did Jesus say back? Depart from me, you doers of lawlessness. I don't know you. I never knew you. I'm not going to ruin it because I'm going to talk about that verse in a future episode, a future special episode, by the way. I'm not going to say when that's coming, but be on the lookout for special episodes that do not hit on the same day as our regularly weekly podcast on Thursdays. These special episodes will pop up out of nowhere, so be on the lookout for them. So old Adam wants to be approved by God, and, and he always sees the emphasis of his action for God. The new man, the new man in us because of Christ, Christ working in us, Christ now being united with us, us no longer living because it is Christ who lives in us. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, this is Paul saying again to the church in Galatia, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So that's Paul saying that he, old Adam, him, has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer he that lives, but Christ who lives in him. In the life that he now lives in the flesh, he lives by faith. So he's living by faith, right? The new man, in see, and, and at the very end, says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. The new man sees the emphasis on being what Christ has done for him. Old Adam wants to emphasize the actions that he does for God for righteousness. 
the new man in Christ wants to emphasize the actions of Christ and what he has done for the sinner. And there is this war between old Adam and the new man. I don't want to sin. I don't like to sin, but I do. And here's where this understanding of being simultaneously a sinner and a saint helps comfort those of us who see our sin and despair over it. Remember, Christ has promised to work in us and work on us until the end of days, until we are separate from the body and present with the Lord, until we die, or until the Lord comes back, whichever one comes first. And throughout this life, there is this constant working in us that Christ has promised to do. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is our justification. He is our sanctification. He's the one who's making us holy, who's working on us. And the moment we start to look at ourselves and our progress, it's going to look bad because we're looking at us. That's why the only way through this and navigating through the Christian life is to always be reminded of what Christ has done, what he's promised to do. He promised to remove our sins as far as the East is from the West. He's promised to never leave us. He's promised that we're we're declared righteous on account of what He has done for us. Our righteousness is given to us as a gift to count as if ours. It's not something that we have to earn. So this concept of simultaneously sinner and saint helps comfort us to know that when we do sin, it doesn't mean that we're out of relationship with Christ. It doesn't mean that we're not saved. If anything, the the noticeable war between our sinful flesh and what things are right is a good indicator that we are saved because a sinner doesn't care if he's saved or not. A sinner's not going to worry about this war, right? Only someone, odds are the person who's saved is when they have doubts or when they have these worries of whether or not they are saved, is a pretty indicator that they are. And how do you comfort someone who struggles with that? You point them to Christ. Remember the promise. Remember what Christ said. Remember what He did for you. Not, Lord, Lord, but I was a good Christian. I conquered the Christian life. I definitely want to meet the person who thinks they conquered the Christian life. <laughs> especially when Paul in Timoth- in uh, 1 Timothy, I believe it's 1 Timothy, is saying that he's the chief of all sinners. You notice that, that the, le- the more Paul writes, the more late in his writings, the more he of a great sinner he sees himself as. Have you noticed that? There's so much more that I can speak with about this topic, but I think I'm going to end it here. Just remember that this declaration of who you are, that you are righteous, is a declaration from God that cannot be thwarted or tossed out because of the fact that you're still a sinner. The fact that God has declared you to be righteous on account of what Christ has done, that's a declaration of who you are according to God because you are in Christ. This old sinful flesh that is slowly being, just slowly dying, right? Eventually, 
you will become, that's another really cool thing. Eventually, when you do die and you are with God or when Christ returns and makes all things new, there will come a day when you will be sinless. There will come a day when I will be sinless. That is an awesome thought, but it's not yet. It hasn't happened yet. But one day Christ will come. And he will promise to make all things new. And when he does, or when we die and we go to be with the Lord, that is when we will be fully sanctified completely. No more sin. But until then, we are in this understanding of being simultaneously a sinner who God calls a saint because of what Christ did on the cross, dying on it, rising on it for you. And then he gives that declaration of you being a saint as a gift. Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And while I'm here in Galatians, let me end with the promise here in this podcast. I'm looking at the Bible right now, and it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 15, there's a little headline about it that says the law and the promise. So let's get to this. Verse, chapter 3, verse 23. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And you, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. That is awesome. How did you become an heir? Because you are an heir according to the promise given to Abraham through his offspring, because you belong to Christ, because it is all in the same promise. And that is how that you can look and see yourself through this promise from God that when you do sin, when you are a sinner, and you see yourself as being a sinner, and that might bring you to despair, remember the promise. Because of what Christ has done, you have, built, you have put on Christ, and that you are in Christ, and that means you are Abraham's offspring, and that means you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. An heir of what? An heir to the promise, and an heir to the kingdom. Because fear not, little flock, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Consider one, he does not work, but believe in him, he justifies in God man. His faith is counted as righteousness. Romans 4, 5.